Good morning, everyone. I forgot to introduce myself earlier. My name is Yumiko, one of the pastors. And, um, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. And、uh, also a member of the preaching team here at Wellspring Church. And it's always such a joy to serve this congregation in this capacity. Actually, I think it was last weekend, I was at dinner and someone asked me if it's hard to prepare a sermon. And my response was, No, actually, really enjoying preparing the sermon. And this past week, how many times I, I was thinking about that conversation, thought it was so ironic. Because this week, this sermon was so hard to prepare for some reason. Irony. <laughs> and, and I mean, I said for some reason, but I think I know why it was hard. I think it's because of Joseph. Right. The story of Joseph offers a lot of deep insight about God, and we can learn a lot from his example, like Nathan was referring to. But for some reason, he's not my favorite in the Bible, and I think because I just really can't relate to him. He just, he and I have, well, I think God in common, everything else. I have nothing in common with them. I just feel like he's just so hard to relate for me. So、um, I'm sorry if you're a fan of Joseph. I think you're probably a much better person than I am, or whatever the reason you are relatable. But a、uh, fair warning here you may not hear so much about Joseph in today's sermon as a result of my deficiency to appreciate Joseph. But don't worry, we're going to still talk about Genesis 39, which is printed in a bulletin.、Um, and we're still going to talk about other characters in the Bible, including God. So, now, as,、uh, the part that you see on the bulletin, if you have it, is just a portion of the Genesis. But Genesis 39, as a chapter, has three different parts, right? And there is the beginning. And there is the middle, and there is the end. Sorry if you are in a wrong angle, you can't see the table, but you can imagine, and you can also kind of go along without seeing it. But in all three sections of this、uh, part of Genesis 3 9, we see Joseph. We see Joseph in all three parts. In the first part, which is a verse 1 to 6, There is Joseph, right? And there is Potiphar, spelled with A, not E, as you may think. Second part, which is a verse 7 to 18, you see again Joseph, right? And then you see Potiphar's wife. In a third part, which is a verse 19 to 23, you see again Joseph. And then you see prison warden. As you can see in today's passage, printed in a sermon note of Bolton. Okay, you need to stand tall. Stay. Okay.、Um, this first part of the story. And the third part of the story are very similar, right? They're not exactly the same, but they're very similar. 
first of all, both stories, the first part and a third part for stories, are success stories of Joseph. And both stories, actually when it's told, there's actually the exact the same Hebrew phrase and exact same Hebrew words are used in a first section of the story and third section of the story, okay? For example, first of all, well, this is actually very heavy. It starts with the Lord was with, oh, sorry, I forgot to mention this water in here and a vases that you see in a first story and third story symbolizes God's presence. So in a first story and third story, it says in a text explicitly, God was with Joseph. And it also says the Lord gave him Joseph favor in the sight of Potiphar, and Potiphar committed everything he owned in the hands of Joseph. In the same way, in the last story, the third part, Lord was with Joseph, Lord gave Joseph the favor in the eyes of prison warden, and prison warden committed everything in the hands of Joseph. And God made Joseph prosper. Same way in a third section, says God made Joseph prosper. You see on the screen, if you are looking at a screen, you see those phrases I just said, the Lord was with Joseph, Lord granted him favor in the sight of, and Lord committed, and they committed all that they had in the hands of Joseph, and God made Joseph prosper. All the things in bold, that's actually the exact same Hebrew word used in those verses I'm referring to. It might be translated different in English Bible, but they are the exact same word, same phrases in Hebrew, which is the original text. So there are different characters in a first and third stories, slightly different setting, but they are very similar stories. And then, there's this story in the middle, which we didn't print uh, on the verse, but there's a story in the middle that looks very different. First of all, it is not a success story. At the end of the first story, Joseph was, Joseph was very successful in charge of many responsibilities in the household of Potiphar. By the end of the story, of the second story, Joseph was removed from the house, taken over responsibilities, thrown into prison. Right, that's the one big difference. The another difference is that there is, it's very clearly um, indicated, it's clearly stated in a first and third story. We know exactly what God did. We see it clearly, as clear as you can see in this water in a vase, we can see what God did. God was there and God did all that he did. We also know what Potiphar did in a response to God's work and we know what Joseph did in a response to God's work. In the same way, in a third story, we see what God did in that story. We know what Joseph did in a response. We know what prison warden did in response. But in the 
third, second story, the middle part of the Genesis 39, it's written, and we see clearly what Potiphar's wife did. It's written in a text what she did. And we also see what Joseph did in response to what Potiphar's wife did. But God, we don't see it clearly. In the first and the last stories, we see God's part in this story clearly, right? God was present in Joseph's life, and God gave him favor in the sight of Potiphar and a prison warden, and they responded it, and God made him prosper. See, Potiphar and prison warden and Joseph responded to God's desire, and God is the, the initiated this divine reaction, chain reaction of success story of Joseph. But in the middle part, we don't see that divine chain reaction clearly. We don't see what God did clearly. It doesn't say God gave him favor in the sight of Potiphar's wife. It doesn't say God wasn't, it wasn't the God who uh, calls her to do what she did. It doesn't say God is the one who put Joseph in the predicament that he was in with his wife with, sorry, Potiphar's wife. God didn't instigate the event in this middle story. Quite contrary, as Joseph testifies in verse 9, what was transpiring here in this middle section is actually something completely against what God wanted and God desired. That's the part of the definition of sin. That's against exactly opposite of what God wanted and desired. And despite the difference that this middle part presents, there is something consistent in all three parts of this Genesis 39, which is what Nathan shared, unchanging presence of God and God's active involvement with all the people in the story. And that's even true for the middle part of the story. After this Potiphar's wife accused Joseph committing a sin, which wasn't true, but he did, he was thrown into the prison, which is, yes, horrible in so many ways. But when you look back the context that they were in, when somebody was to be accused of, or somebody was found guilty or somebody committed a crime that Joseph was accused of, what happened to you is not imprisonment. What will happen to you is execution by stoning. But instead, Joseph was thrown into the prison. Whether this was indeed the work of a God or not, the text doesn't explicitly state. But given the context this text was written, given the development of the stories, the larger stories afterwards, I think it is very reasonable to see this as an example of God's work in more subtle and more quiet way.
And how much God was in control is kind of to interpretation. But what's clear is that God didn't stop working from the beginning, in the middle, till the end. God didn't stop showing up in the life of Joseph. And this pattern that God is with the people. God works through people. God works in people, and God works with people. This pattern is something we see throughout the Bible. There are things that God desires, and there are things that God make it happen, and God makes it prosper, right? And one of the examples is the stories that we see in Genesis, but other stories in the Bible include things like God's covenant with Abraham, Exodus led by Moses, Joshua conquering Jericho. In these events, in, in the event that God wanted and desired, God worked with the people in those stories. God worked in and through and with people like Abraham and Sarah, Moses, Aaron and Miriam, Joshua and Rahab. God worked. God, God was present. God worked in, through, with people in these stories. And just like this middle part of the story, there are things in the Bible, in our lives, that God does not desire. That is not of God's desire. That is not of God wants. That is not of God's nature. Such as evil, death, and brokenness. And even when God's undesirable things happen, God still is with people. God still works with people and through people and in people. And some of the examples in the Bible would be God's presence and God's work with Adam and Eve after what Adam and Eve did, exactly what God didn't want them to do. God was still there, and God took a loving action of clothing them with animal skin, which is the promise of future redemption. And that is true in our lives as well, right? There are things that God desires and wants, and that we see God's presence clearly. We see God's hands clearly. There are things that happen that's not of God's nature. But God is still there. Just as God was with Nathan's sickness and so many people's hard time in our life. God is with us. God works through us, in us, and with us, whether we see it or not. Which is a very wonderful thing that we can learn from Genesis 39 and the rest of the Bible. And then some of us might be tempted to say, yeah, look at Joseph. Look at the Bible. See, God is with us. God works with us. So everything will work out well at the end. So we don't need to worry. That may be uh, a, a little bit too simplistic way of responding to what Genesis 39 teaches us today. Take Joseph's story example, right? Yes, there was a very happy ending for Joseph, which we will see in a few weeks. 
But what happened in the middle here, and what happened in the middle of the story that we see in a throughout Genesis and for the Joseph, was horrible. Right? No matter how happy the ending was, it doesn't make it okay for Joseph to be hated so much by his own brothers. So much so that some of them wanted to kill him. And actually, he ended up being sold by his own family. It wasn't okay for him to be treated unjustly when he did everything right. How he conducted himself in the middle part of the story, he did everything right. And yet, he was thrown into prison and he was there for a long time. That was wrong. And no matter how much of happy ending that happens at the end, that doesn't justify what happened in the middle. That doesn't make it okay in the middle, what happened in the middle. The pain of Joseph was real in here. And it wasn't just Joseph. In the Bible, we see who had the stories like this and who had the middle part of the story, the pain that they endure. See, as much as Joseph's pain was real, for example, Jesus' pain was even more real. Like Joseph, Jesus was also betrayed. Jesus was sold by his friend. Jesus was falsely accused, arrested, beaten, mocked. Everything Jesus had given and cherished on this, uh, on this earth was taken away from him. And Jesus had to die a slow and painful death on the cross. And Jesus was murdered. That was wrong. That was not okay for someone who did nothing wrong to go through what Jesus had to go through. And yes, it is true that there was something tremendously positive development of the story that came after Jesus' cross. But that doesn't make it okay that Jesus had to go through what he had to go through. Knowing really the pain of Jesus had to go through, I don't think you can look at cross and say, oh, that's so horrible. But everything worked at the end, so I guess it was okay. And we can't say that to Jesus when he was going through, even if we knew the ending, we can look at the cross and say, Jesus, I know it's so hard, but don't worry, it's going to be great at the end. We can't say that because the pain is real. And more importantly, that was not what God wanted. Jesus on the cross, murdered like that. That was not God's desire. That was not God's dream. Rather, it was the result of the selfish desire and distorted dream of us, the creation. We are the one who had this dream and this distortion that resulted in Jesus' cross. 
But even though the cross of Jesus was not God's dream and God's desire, that's not what God envisioned when God created the world, God still showed up to this, the most undesirable event. And God is with us even after the cross. And God continues to be with us and work with us, work through us, work in us. And just as God did over and over and over with many people in the Bible, and God, just as God does today with the people that we hear. And God's presence, as God's continuous, relentless work in and with and through us, that is how God is going to keep going until this grand story ends. The Bible promises that God will never stop showing up. God will continue to be with us and, and work and through and in and with us because that's what God wanted in the beginning and that's what God desires for eternity. Genesis 1 tells us the story of a God desire. God desire to create us, create people and create all the rest of creation. So God did. God created everything. And everything thrives under his creation. In a similar way, in the very last two chapters of book of Revelation, which is the very last book of the Bible. So in a similar way, in the very ending of the book of Bible, we see God's desires and dreams. Revelation 21, 3 tells us, um, the, describes the scene that God is so excited to come and dwell among us. And in the same way, in a, Revelation 21, 22 to 22, description of God with all creation. God is so excited. And we see how God is with creation, works through creation, works in creation. We're all interacting with each other. This is a glimpse of God's vision, God's dream for all of us. And in this grand vision, God will be with us, with all creation. And in this grand vision, God's eternal dream, it is not possible without us. We're the one of the main characters in this grand vision. Do you see God present in your life? Do you see God working with you, working in you, working through you? And do you believe God will never stop working until the end, until we see what's written in Revelation to come true. Now, I realize some of you sitting here today, all of what I just said means nothing. It's just irrelevant to you. Because maybe you're going through something. Maybe something horrible happened to you. Maybe God is not in your life. Maybe you feel like you're in desolation. Nobody really sees you, hears you, you'll cry, and you're in prison in a place 
even though you didn't do anything wrong, like Joseph found desolation in prison. Or maybe you were like Joseph, who was deeply hurt and harmed by somebody you loved. Maybe you're like Joseph's father, who thought who lost his son and went through the pain. Maybe you lost somebody really dear to you. Whatever the reason is, you may find all of God's talk is just so irrelevant to you. And a part of the promise of God's working with you, working through you, means nothing or means very little because what you have lost, what has done to you, is so horrible. The truth or the fact that a God is with you, God is working with you, doesn't cancel out the pain you're going through, doesn't bring back what you have lost, doesn't solve the pain that you're going through. Maybe because what happened to you has done so much harm, so much brought so much pain, and that's something you cannot take it back. If that's you, I want to say what happened to you, whatever that is, what happened to you was wrong. And I wish never, that never happened to you. God wishes that never happened to you. And you didn't want that to happen to you. And I don't know how and why God let that happen. I don't know why God didn't stop. God didn't intervene. I don't know why God didn't fix the situation, give you back what you lost, bring you back to time that damage, before the damage was done. Some of you share those stories with the community with me. And those times, it's so easy for me. It is so tempting for me to say, I, to tell people, I know how the story is going to go. I know it's hard. But God is with you. God works through you. And it's going to be okay. It is so tempting for me to say that, but that is completely unhel unhelpful. Instead of what Genesis 39 teaches me, is to tell you, if that's you who's sitting here thinking all of that doesn't take away the pain that I'm receiving, the received, the, the things I'm going through, what I want to tell you is I, along with many people in this community, and most of all God, wants to be with you and walk alongside of you when and if you would allow us to do. Wherever you are, I hope this reading of Revelation will give you hope, give you an inspiration, give you an encouragement. So let me close this time with a reading of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 1 through 4, 5. Then I saw a new heaven a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. 
And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride, dressed up for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne, and this is what it said. Look, God had come down, has come to dwell with the humans. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or weeping, or pain anymore, since the first thing had passed away. The one who sat on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, because these words are faithful and true. Amen.